friends, countrymen, lovers of all things design. This is Grits and Grids. This week, I am talking with James Edmondson, who is a type designer at Ono Type out of San Francisco. James, why don't you say hi and give a little bit of backstory on who you are and what you do? Okay, hello. I'm James Edmondson. Um, yeah, I'm doing my thing in SF over here. I graduated um, school not too long ago. I, I got a master's degree in type design from Type Media in the Netherlands. Uh, in like 2014, and then in the past two years, three years-ish, I've been starting my foundry over here, Ono Type Company, working on retail typefaces, doing lettering projects and logotypes and that sort of thing for brands and uh, little graphic design agencies, and um, also doing a lot of teaching over here as well. I teach at California College of the Arts in the master's program there. And through the Cooper Union at the type of Cooper West program, which is taught at the Letterform Archive in San Francisco. Uh, I also help facilitate a monthly meetup group for type people called Type Thursday uh, in San Francisco. And I'm like the critique uh, lead. So I just kind of help people get feedback on their projects. And that's pretty fun, too. So lots of fun, nerdy things going on over here. Oh, hell yeah. Type type nerdism, I think, is extremely sexy. I'm convinced. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, tell my, I tell my wife that all the time, just so she knows that I, I am very sexy. <laughs> I, try and, I try and convince my girlfriend that I'm sexy also very, very yeah. frequently. But it doesn't really do that much. But I kind of have a problem with this, like, I don't know, I say it myself, like, to, to be a type nerd. And I don't think it's so cool that a nerd should have like at all a negative <laughs> connotation to it. You know, it's just like Agreed. being an enthusiast and uh, it's, it's good to be enthusiastic about whatever you do. I, I would tend to agree a hundred percent. It's funny. Uh, one of the clients that I had worked with for a while, um, <laughs> my, my team would start pulling me away so we could like go home for the meeting because the the head designer and I would just start geeking out over typography and talking about like what's coming next because uh, they were in the midst of having uh, an entire type family created for them and so next thing I know like 45 minutes would go by and we'd still be like hovering over his desk just like oh man look at that like kerning on this and like how natural is that and yeah um, for, for yeah. sure and and that's a, a really wonderful thing is the people that are in graphic design because they think it's the shit you know what I mean like right. the people that kind of fell back on it and actually wanted to do something else you know that always kind of bums me out a little bit because I think this is absolutely the coolest thing that anyone could do like fuck yeah. being an actor or like a famous person or in the entertainment industry or even just like uh you know really wealthy or a startup person um i'm i'm just all about i think this is the coolest job that anyone can have for sure. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely love it. Um i've definitely uh, chugged the Kool-Aid over and over again. Um <laughs> So it's funny, like, you know, we, that, that client I was mentioning, um, they're, they were basically re, retooling Futura, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, 
obviously a go-to for a lot of brands and a lot of designers for good reason. It's it's beautiful typeset. Um, but I know for a fact that you agree, so I'm just going to go out there and say it. Like So many of these like standard issue typefaces on the computer, I feel at one point had a beautiful purpose. Like if you've ever read the history of Comic Sans, you, you tend not to hate the font as much as you hate the people that use it. Um, but I think one of those ones is uh, the type the type family Hobo. And, um, you know, I feel like it kind of lost its edge. It had like this time and place. And then now every time someone uses it, it's pretty uh, ill-used. But you decided to tackle that thing head on and sort of retool it and reapproach it um how did you find the respect for that typeface and how did you even say hey you know what i'm gonna um i'm gonna sand off these edges and make it fresh um i'll be honest with you here and i don't i don't think uh i've told this story many times or it's like available on the internet anywhere else but um Mm -hmm. My initial thought with that was I was joking around with some friends. This makes me sound like a really pretentious asshole, but I'm going to tell this story anyways. I was joking around with some friends and around that time, people were starting to put uh, new typefaces on Kickstarter saying like, hey, I'm starting this typeface and I need, you know, money to finish it and stuff. So donate to my Kickstarter and then you get this typeface. And I kind of thought that was like, Sort of silly because if you really want to finish a typeface and you think it really belongs in the world, then you'll absolutely find a way to do that. And mm-hmm. uh, Kickstarter definitely has its place for lots of things. But some of the typefaces that were being Kickstarted, I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm not really buying it. You know, I don't I don't really believe that this needs to exist that badly. Mm-hmm. And I think people were donating or trying to Kickstart it because it was a sort of novel idea. Anyways, I was like joking with my friend saying like, let's put up a Kickstarter for Hobo and say that we're going to make the <laughs> best Hobo ever. And it's going to be a, a total joke like this, this stupid little like graphic design in joke. Um, right. And really, it was kind of mean and kind of making fun of people. So ultimately, it was a bad idea. But then and obviously I, it took off because it was me to making fun of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to do that stuff and I don't want to shit on anyone else's creativity ever. So um, I, I decided not to do that, but I always just kind of kept coming back to Hobo and thinking about it more and more. And then um, I started like drawing it and kind of appreciating it and noticing it in graphic design where it's actually really dope you know like it's on the butch cassidy poster and it looks amazing or it's at the will turn theater or the pantages in neon and it's like incredible so then i was like okay maybe you know there's really no problem with this typeface it's actually just kind of the connotations that we have associated with it that have come over the last hundred years like it came out in 1905 originally like it's a really old thing Mm -hmm. so i got way nerdy into the um history of it and uh eventually i kind of came around on this joke idea and actually moved forward with creating a good digital version of it because i thought one should exist yeah and you know what's funny is um even like a comic sans there was a time and place for that 
where it made sense and it was it was designed you know unlike microsoft fonts which were just ripoffs of fonts that already existed um so they didn't have to pay licensing fees ariel um but you know i i remember being in high school and what or not high school i'm sorry a college and one of the assignments was to start designing this uh, art nouveau poster Mm -hmm. and so i'm like okay i'm i'm gonna do a more standardized version of Art Nouveau type. And so I spent like three days just like hammering out this beautiful typeface. And, you know, when I hit that moment of genius where I stood up and I'm like, I have cracked the code, you know, <laughs> I am the most amazing designer right now. I looked down and I'm like, I designed Hobo. That's what that, <laughs> that's what that is. That is actually, that is a terrible typeface. And I just did that. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment. Cause I just like laughed at myself. I'm like, wow, I, uh, yeah, that's was, what it feels like. <laughs> there was one time when I thought I'd come up with the best movie plot of all time, and then it turned out to be like exactly Forrest Gump. It was like, <laughs> it was to a T, like verbatim Forrest Gump. And then I was like, okay, well, that's kind of how, you know, creativity works is you think you're inventing things, but really you're just kind of copying little fragments inside of your mind already that have been put right. there because you looked at something or whatever. I, I imagine you pitching the movie plot, but then like pulling it, pulling a time to kill, right? And now, imagine he's black. <laughs> you know, oh, like that's totally different. Like, that's a completely different storyline. <laughs> yeah, anyway. if only I had been that creative to change one thing, but no, not, not quite. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not Facebook because it it hadn't it doesn't have to do with school. So it's it's face novel. It's a completely different idea. You're, you're, it's going to make millions, and you should do yeah, this work for face, free. Face novel. That I can't believe that one never took off. Yeah, I mean, believe it or not. Um, anyway, so I chopped that up to uh, great ideas that weren't mine that I stumbled upon. Um, but I like where you ended up with Hobo. I think I think it's 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 a it's a brilliant step forward, and I, I like it if not for any other reason except. On your site, it's not just, oh, hey, buy this font. It is like, here is the origin of this typeface. It is not a janky piece of garbage. It's actually a well-designed typeface, and you updated it and made it just a bit better. Well, um, I, I think um, if you're going to you know, put in the work to do something, then you kind of got to tell the story of it. And um, so whenever I release typeface now, I write about the process a lot. And mm-hmm. people... I think get a kick out of that. I don't know if I'm really like marketing my typefaces towards other type designers or towards graph designers that are interested in that stuff too. But um, I think it's it's worth telling the story of anything that's you know worth making, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, those stories exist for every typeface, you know. But it's kind of hard to find them sometimes. And I, I wish you could. I mean. Every like album that I really enjoy, like I want to watch a three hour documentary on the making of that album, you know, so I try and do something similar for my typefaces. But um, yeah, what I really wanted to happen with Hobo is to kind of expose the stuff that I dug about it and then have it, you know, have like a resurgence or have people start using it again. Mm -hmm. And that really hasn't happened, you know. But there's been a couple of projects recently that have come out, like New York Magazine used it really heavily in one issue, and I thought they did like a fantastic job. And then there's recently a uh, 
a book about hamburgers that came out that looked like awesome. And uh, so people are kind of starting to open up to it a little bit more, which I think is fantastic, but I'm not really confident that it'll keep going in that direction. It's just, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. I, uh, I want to read a book on hamburgers, by the way. Um, (laughs) I'll send you the link. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll put it in the show notes because that is probably the perfect type selection for a book on hamburgers. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. And when uh, the graphic designer used it, um, I like sent him an email thanking him like, dude, you absolutely nailed it on this one. And uh, yeah, he was he was excited. And it was he's a great graphic designer. Also, I'll I'll send you his name and include that in the show notes as well, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, All right. So on from Hobo, you have done other stuff, which is great. And so it wasn't like I saw Hobo and I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Victor script. There is just something beautiful about it. And I really loved the, uh, your, your attempt in your, your approach to a monotype, um, not a monotype, I'm sorry, a monospace typeface, uh, Volf, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was like really strong as well. Um, and so when I'm looking at your, these are like you said, your first attempts, like you're, you're starting this foundry, but where, where did you find inspiration for these typefaces like Victor and Volf and, uh, even the, um, the the very very flourishy one, um, Hobo Rococo. Yeah, Hobo Rococo. So, which doesn't um, really look like Hobo until you know that it's named that and you realize <laughs> it gets to build. So, yeah, why don't you kind of give us a little bit of your process? Yeah, but, well, for the Victor Strip stuff is all about collaborating with my buddy Eric Marinovich, who's an amazing hand lettering dude and mm-hmm. can do any number of like a million different styles. But that's kind of like his brush script style. So we wanted to translate that into a workable typeface that both he could use, you know, when he doesn't want to really write something out or, um, Mm -hmm. but just also for anyone that wants to do that style in a way that he can kind of have some control over it. Cause what we decided was people are going to rip off Eric, like no matter what the poor dude just gets his style bitten constantly. Like he's Mm -hmm. had so many knockoffs of, of things that he's done. And uh, so this is like the vehicle for people to feel okay about that. (laughs) Um, It's your excuse, your permission slip. (laughs) Exactly. For the Wolf Mono stuff, it was just like taking a look at this one typeface that came on IBM Selectric typewriters called the Light Italic. It was just this weird kind of one of a kind thing that didn't even have like a companion Roman. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used that as a starting point. It was like a, a very lightweight thing and then built out heavier weights and then, you know, the Roman as well. So it came out to be an entire family, but really it's all rooted in this uh, one style that was like a weird thing that IBM made. Um, yeah, it's, and it's really pretty. I mean, it's a, I hate to use the word pretty because it sounds uh, almost demeaning, but it's not like – it's just a really nice-looking typeface. And it has this certain um, – I've been calling it like lo-fi design because um, I don't want to call it. I so, think I think yeah. I know what you're trying to say. And uh, that's yeah. definitely because lo-fi doesn't necessarily mean like compressed or like quality has been degraded or something. But there's like yeah. a little bit extra warmth in there that um, that's always something that I'm going for is, is trying to experiment with new ways of putting a little bit of more warmth and like human 
quality into something as like sterile and clean as Bezier curves. Right. Yeah. And, and so I haven't had the best way of describing it, um, but that's that's pretty much nail on it. Like where it has almost like this nostalgic kind of warmth, but without being kitschy. Um, there's just something that draws you to it. And I, that, I really love it because mono, mono spaces usually have a very, I don't know, just cold and um, bureaucratic feel to them for yeah, obvious for, reasons. For sure. And, and that's definitely what I try to avoid. You know, a lot right. of people do the geometric sands like perfectly and that stuff is out there. Um, but I think there's a whole lot of opportunities to kind of play with typefaces that could never be generated by a computer, you know? Um, right. Typefaces are always made by hand, you know, whether you're drawing them or you're using a computer, like it's still something that's made by hand. But uh, to just put the hand in there in kind of more obvious uh, ways is something that I find really enjoyable. Like when I'm always measuring things and using the ruler and getting angles perfect, um, it kind of becomes a chore for me a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But when I'm just going with my gut and just looking at things and saying what feels like the appropriate distance without using a ruler, that is a much more creative and uh, just like enjoyable process for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because it, it does harken back to when there weren't computers. Um, and, and there's, there is a little more love in there. I think it's a little bit more, you say gut, but yeah, that, um, that limbic brain almost, um, I think that's what really makes it attractive. Um, so you threw in a jab on geometric sands, which is a talking <laughs> point that I had queued up. So this is a great segue that I've made horrible, but now, now it's a segue. So we're dealing with it. Um, why? So I read or I saw something and you, man, you like gloves off straight on hockey fight, um, geometric sands for tech companies. Um, talk to me about the homogenization of identities. Um, how do you think it should be prevented? And maybe we touched on that just a little bit ago. Um, and then how do you, how do you fight against a client's gut reaction to, want to be like others like because there's that that certain like oh that doesn't look like a restaurant logo and you're like then we did it right <laughs> right <laughs> you know? yeah totally and and something like restaurants um you know everyone's done that so many different ways already like restaurants have been around for thousands of years so they've mm -hmm. looked at every possible way that you could design a restaurant identity tech companies are so new and like we're so in the dark ages uh, with these things that everyone's kind of scared is the feeling that I get. Everyone wants to look like they're a tech company or look like they're really forward thinking. Um, so they kind of end up doing the same sort of thing these days. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a huge bummer to me, first of all, just because I'm a type lover. And second of all, because as, as a branding strategy, that's a really poor idea you know to just mm -hmm. kind of fall in line is going to hurt their brand and uh, there's a whole lot to be gained by making type a priority and kind of using that to express a company's values so i i work with these companies too up here and i'm always like urging them to just get a little bit outside like take baby steps but I think in the future, it's going to go completely nuts. And yeah. we'll look back on all the stuff that we were doing in 2016 and 17 and say like, wow, that was all really safe work. And thank God 
all these yeah. people came along and did these things that make everyone else look like idiots because like you know that those people are coming and those people are at work now where um they're going to they're going to put something out that's just going to be like oh my god this makes us all look so dumb yeah it's got to, it's got to disrupt at some point i think for companies whether it's startup or restaurant you know tech or or restaurant or now i mean craft beer talk about a place that is just saturated and mired in sameness um, craft beer, though. I mean, I was just at the, a cool beer place in San Francisco called City Beer Store on Sunday, and uh-huh. looking through the aisles at a, a million different kinds of craft beer, and you do see some amazing things, and you see some cans with no type on the front too, which right. I think is fantastic. So that mostly, you know, not real inspiring stuff, um, but. Occasionally, the, you'll definitely come across some gems in there for sure. Yeah, there there are definitely some folks who are pushing pushing the boundaries and challenging convention. Um, I'm a big fan of Modern Times. That's a West Coaster. Um, I just love that they just went simple with like the party sock look with the three stripes, uh-huh. um, and and they have a, a beautiful uh, script typeface, um, you know, as well. And and I think I think they've just done a great job. But I'm really you know, Magnolia. Have you seen these guys, Magnolia Brewing? Magnolia Brewing. I'm going to look they it up are, right now. They're oh, uh, off the hook, and it's it's doing you know kind of psychedelic stuff, but not in a way that feels like cheesy. Like it, it kind of feels more contemporary, but it's just kind of what I'm digging these days yeah. right now. Yeah, I like their overall look. If I'm looking at the right one, the one in San Francisco, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll post a link on there too. Yeah, and it has almost like that Art Nouveau core, but then they're like coupling it with looks like watercolor and crazy. Crazy colors mix and matched. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, really, I'm just trying to get some free beer over here. So Magnolia Brewing, uh, the best brewery in in California, bar none. And they should ship beer to <laughs> Georgia while we're at it, if I can piggyback on that. Um, or just fly me out because <laughs> I'm into that stuff. <laughs> but no, it looks great. Um, I, I want to try it out. I've been trying to get to San Francisco for a while, so maybe this will be the impetus behind that. Um but yeah, I think craft beer and, and, and restaurants, you're right. It's just, um, we, we spoke to, I spoke to a guy last month, uh, Eli Altman from 100 Monkeys. And on their site, it just has a one-liner that I have ripped off verbally over and over again. Sorry, Eli. But it just works. Um, you know, if you spend all your tra- time trying to fit in, you'll spend all of your budget trying to stand out. And yeah. it's just pulling it because it's so true. Because everything in, you know, usually in someone's gut is to... Well, that company just secured X million dollars in seed funding. So if I can look sort of like that, maybe that'll increase my chances of doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of emulation, uh, I think, with the hopes that they're doing something right. And what you don't realize is they maybe do something completely wrong. You don't know what's going on behind the curtain. So why not be you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, just uh, just do the stuff that you dig. But I mean, I have to I have to admit here that it's incredibly easy for me to criticize these companies. Like, I have uh, no money in this, you know, oh, and yeah. I'm a guy that sells like wacky display fonts. So this is completely self serving and extremely easy criticism for me to make. Um, like Absolutely. I said, you know, I, I don't want to shit on these people. They're they're really just trying to make some like amazing products that do these incredible things that are completely mind-blowing 
So maybe having the world's most arresting logo is not really their top priority, <laughs> but right. uh, I, I think it is a missed opportunity a lot of times. Yeah, and hey, look, this is the forum to be the Waldorf to my Statler, okay? We, we can be the old dudes on the Muppets right now. We oh, I was like, Waldorf? Yeah, I barely, Waldorf, barely get that reference. But I, I'm a, I think I'm a little young for that, or I just didn't watch quite enough Muppets growing up. No, but it's I totally okay. remember it's now. <laughs> their, their names are very little known. And uh, by the way, I drop Steve Winwood jokes all the time that no one gets, and I'm not old enough to really know Steve Winwood either. Steve um, Winwood, the musician? Yeah, like roll with it, baby. You know, it's like <laughs> good. That's good music there. That is. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> it's so bad. All right. So I think what what I'd like to know, and I've gotten this from a few other type designers, but it's always interesting, is do, do you have a moment in your life where you're like, gee, ma, I want to be a type designer? Was there like uh, a defining moment where you realized like, that you love type? And that's what you want to do? Uh, yeah, totally. I, I definitely remember having that GMA, I want to be a type designer thought. But I at that time, I thought that like everybody would. Like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, and I remember talking to my roommate at the time that was also studying graphic, de- graphic design that was a couple years ahead. That was like an amazing image maker. And she was great with type, but, you know, not interested in being a type designer I found yeah. out because I was like, don't you just like want to work at a type foundry and like work on fonts all day? And she was like, mm, no, like I want to do like <laughs> brands and identities and do motion graphics and websites. And I'm like, huh, like, so, you, <laughs> so you're telling me you don't want to work on fonts, huh? So that was like just a strange thing for me to wrap my head around because you always think that everyone's interested like in the thing that yeah. you're interested in. And then I think it's a really important thing, especially for young people and students to figure out uh, like how weird they are, you know, and, and how specific their interests are to themselves because that helps them figure out really what makes them unique and uh, kind of establishes a point of view. Yeah, agreed. I, I imagine that conversation, I, I think uh, I had a few where it's like, no, I just want to design things all day. I don't want to play in a heavy metal band anymore. I'm not even angry. they're like what i'm like yeah you don't this is what you want to (laughs) do you know like being being in a heavy metal band or being like a touring musician that sounds like it fucking sucks to me like (laughs) really really hard or it would be super cool uh like one summer to go and do that and then the reality that this is your job and it's the only thing that you can really do to make a living would be horrifying for me to deal with so I can tell you what the horrifying thing for me was when I realized that I was dating three dudes. Yeah. Like, cause yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what it is. You're in a relationship with three other people and being in a relationship with one person is hard enough, let yeah. alone having to like, you know, to, you know, ha- have your battles, pick your battles, be nice to people, you know, three different personalities. Anyway, I stepped away from that for that very I've, reason. I've played in bands a little bit as well. And it's amazing to me that any band has ever made a, even a decent album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there is so much that has to happen there with compromise and, uh, and you know, working as a team. And there are so many great albums. And it's just like right. bonkers. To me. I could never do that. I could never be a musician. 
at that level. But, you know, props to him. It just makes it even more special. Yeah, I mean, it really is magic how like you know, how artists can work together. That many artists can work that together to create something so wonderful. I think, um, you know, in light of what what happened earlier in May, um, I think I read this somewhere, or I'm making it up. By the way, it's really interesting. I promise. Um, the, the the album Super Unknown by uh, Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I read this that each of them brought, like they wrote the, each of their own songs for that album, and then came together and finished them together. And so, like, they all uh, kind of went away, wrote their songs, came back and said, okay, here's my song. Now you do you on this song. Yeah. And and that, that's how that album was created, which I think is just such an amazing album. I can still go back to it and rock out. But, um, you know, rest in peace, Chris. And yeah. uh, his voice will go on forever in my heart, at least. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, before we wrap up here, do you have any advice for aspiring type designers or designers who haven't quite found their love for type yet? Um, you know, it's a grind. Stay on the grind. Uh, the, the whole inspiration thing, uh, is fleeting and, um, a lot of work as a type designer is production work. And that's just a fact of it. So if you find a way to like dig that and enjoy it, because there's always production work to be done. I really enjoy that part of it that like, I only have to be creative like one percent or less than one percent of the time you know yeah and then the rest uh is a a really a different part of your brain going that's just doing the work so so do the work you know it's a job and um try and have fun and and do things the way that only you would do them that's another thing that i say to students sometimes it's like you know don't like what we were talking about earlier don't try and be someone else but um work on projects that you know no one else is going to do and that Mm -hmm. way uh you know you're going to do a better job on it than anyone else um that's something that i think about a lot i love that i mean and it's a it's a solid solid piece of advice do things the way only you would do them um if there's anything that people should take away from this it's that because i just think there's again a lot of emulation and there's a lot of gut reaction to try to you know to be good is to be something like what's already out there um but i think you know finding your own stride is awesome definitely definitely be a designer and and solve the problem and stuff as well but Mm -hmm. um yeah I, i think there's definitely something to be said for making design work personal Absolutely. Well, James, th- thanks so much for taking time out of your day, um, kind of twice, because I had to reschedule on you. I really appreciate no worries, it. man. Absolutely happy to be on the uh, program. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, man. Well, everyone, hey, have a great week, um, and we'll talk to you next week. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no end in between on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.